Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Good News with Angie Austin. Now, with the Good News, here's Angie. Angie Austin here with the good news. Hello, friend. Grace Fox joining us. And today we are talking about focusing on God, not on fear. We've been focusing on her book quite a bit, moving from fear to freedom, because we thought that would be a great way to kind of get 2023 rolling. So we thought we'd do that uh, into the first couple of months, because who doesn't want to move from, from fear to freedom? Welcome back, Grace. Thanks so much for having me again, Angie. All right. So how do we do this? You've got several steps, eight steps to focus on God, not fear. Yeah. And they're very practical things that we can do because the thoughts that we habitually think are the, that's the direction that our life is going to go. So we want to focus our thoughts habitually on all things that are good and pure and right and true. So yeah, let's talk about eight. There's probably eight things that we can do that are really helpful. Okay, let's start with number one, because this one makes complete sense. It has to do with scripture. It does. And uh, uh, if we have a hard time memorizing scripture, it's easy to just take a verse and write it out on a three by five card. Put it on a recipe card and put put those cards where you'll see them often. And so I, I would say on the fridge or by the kitchen sink, or if you're driving kids to extracurriculars all the time, take a a piece of tape and stick a recipe card with a scripture verse right there on the dashboard. Put it by the bathroom mirror, wherever you're going to see that thing frequently throughout the day, so that when your mind starts heading the wrong direction, you can reel it back in by looking at that verse and even speaking it out loud. I um I love that idea, too, because I carpool, and I think that might be a good way to remind um, my kids, but also maybe for their friends to see and be like, what is that? You know, it might lead to an interesting conversation. For sure. Another easy one to do is to, well, some people don't find it so easy, but it is totally possible. And that is to memorize and meditate on scripture. And so by meditating on it, it means um, you, you stop on the key words and just think about what those key words really mean. And um, you mull on that verse throughout the day. So whether you're standing in the shower or you're fixing a meal or like you're driving or whatever, but your mind goes back to that verse and you just stop and ponder the key words. And so when scripture talks about those who wait, uh, wait on the Lord will renew their strength and mount up on wings like eagles, stop and think, what does it mean to mount up like that? What does that look like? What, what are the characteristics of an eagle, say, as opposed to a, a sparrow or a hummingbird? And think about that. And that, you know, those, those exercises that we do in our mind help us to understand what it is God's trying to tell us through his word. And that's very helpful. It's I've, like having automatic ammo. I've done that myself a few times, like when I'm going through something difficult and it's really um, stressful mentally. 
and to mull over a scripture like that can really help you um, calm your mind. And I, I, I wanted to say, one, uh, take one step back. You said to tape up that scripture, you know, in the car and that you do it actually by your sink because I guess you're cleaning or doing dishes. I don't do a lot of that because we have a chore sheet for the kids and they uh, seven nights a week rotate, you know, doing the dishes. So I'm going to stick with the car and you stick with the sink because the kitchen sink's like my least favorite part of the house. Uh-huh. And I live on a boat, so I don't have a dishwasher, and my kids are all gone, so I do a lot of dishes. But my <laughs> husband likes to do it for me, too, but I find it therapeutic sometimes. So. Yeah, that's, a, that's interesting you say that because sometimes hand-washing them I enjoy sometimes more than loading because you're right. It's like that therapeutic, repetitive motion. My husband vacuums when he's stressed, <laughs> and I like to steam the floors, you know, because it's that repetitive motion. It's so funny. <laughs> hey, I could meditate on Scripture. You could. That's exactly what we're talking about. All right, the number three I, is my mom's yeah. favorite. She loves it, and I don't know why. I finally got her um, an Alexa, you know, the little, I don't know, the Echo Dot, because whenever I would put music on in the house, especially, you know, Christian music, she would just sing and be so happy, and I'm like, why on earth do you not listen to music? So I finally got her this Echo, and she listens to it all the time. So let's talk about music. That's right, praise and worship music. We know from the scripture that when Saul's soul was in distress, he called for somebody to bring somebody who could play music for him. And David came and played on his on his instrument. And and music does something therapeutic for us as well. And so putting on praise and worship music, it just helps to direct our thoughts towards the character of God. It is wonderful. Sometimes I just feel like if I'm feeling stressed, I, I want to put it on and fill my house with it. It's almost like if there's any negativity in here, I want it gone. And I, it's going to go as I fill my home with praise and worship music. You mentioned, too, that uh, you know, you're a fan of contemporary Christian music. Many people are. A lot of people listen to you know, the radio, even still in the car. But um, you said to expand our horizons and listen to some good old hymns because many of those were written in the midst of heartache. And isn't that the truth? I never thought about it like that. But many of them really were written in the m- midst of intense heartache. That's right. And people poured out their hearts to God by writing these songs with these amazing lyrics. And there's a lot to be learned. Sometimes, even for our quiet time, I've recommended in the past to take an old church hymnal and and supplement your Bible reading by reading aloud the lyrics for one of those old hymns because they're pretty pretty incredible sometimes. My aunt um, is not a good singer. My mom is. My aunt, one of my aunts, is terrible, but she loves to have. <laughs> She loves to have quiet time, and I'll hear her when she comes to visit. She'll be in the room, and she'll be singing. And I think she either sings scripture or busts out old hymns and sings because it makes her soul happy. And I just think it's the neatest thing because you can tell how happy she is regardless of whether or not she can sing. So I think it's really cool. I remember going to Bible college with a girl who would walk down the sidewalk between the different buildings on campus and she'd just be singing. It was she just wore a smile on her face constantly. That girl radiated joy. And she just she had beautiful long blonde hair and she'd just kinda, you know, swing it to the side and just belt out this song. And I think she brought a smile to everybody's face. 
because of her joy, but she expressed her joy through song. It, she couldn't keep it inside. It was, you know, it bubbled out. There was nothing she could do to keep it down. Oh, so that's super I cool. That. I do too. All right, four is totally different, but I used to have a screensaver that said, be still and know that I'm God, because I had such a hard time being still and knowing that he was God. And sometimes what we really need to do is just seek that silence in God's presence with no agenda. Like, not going into his presence to say, uh, okay, God, here's, here's what I need to hear from you. I'm concerned about this, and I need to hear from you on that. But to just go in with a blank agenda, nothing there except to say, God, I want to hear your voice. I love Period. that. Whatever you want to say to me, whatever you have for me, I want to hear it. And sometimes that's really hard when you've got kids around the house mm-hmm. and that type of thing. But maybe when they go to bed to take five minutes. And here's what I guarantee will happen. You go into this, I'm going to go here from God mode, and and guess what happens? You start thinking about the grocery list. I need to add this. Oh, tomorrow when I get up, I need to do this. There's a to-do list that comes in. And the, those thoughts are so used to bing-banging all over the place that it's really hard to just bring them in. But that's okay. That's, like, natural. So just, um, you know, rein them in. If you have to have a little notebook beside you to to write down those thoughts so that you don't sit there and spend the rest of your time worrying about forgetting these things. Just jot them down, and then they're out of your head, and then you just go back to God. I just want to hear your voice speak to me. Again, focus on God, not on fear, and uh, that seek silence in God's presence, number four. Mm -hmm. And let's talk about number five. So make an altar of remembrance to celebrate God's faithfulness. So I knew a lady who was driving with her kids and went to go like around a roundabout and the door wasn't locked in the back seat. And this was in the day and age before kids had to be in the appropriate size child car seat and booster seats and all that. But this kid was sitting in the back seat and seat belt not done up. You know, she goes around this curve and the door came open and that child fell out and he miraculously was not injured And so what that family did was they went out and got a little angel ornament because they really felt like God's angels protected that child. And they had a little shelf in their living room where they would put these types of knickknacks that commemorated the things that God had done for them in the past. And how, you know, little little things that commemorated specific answers to prayer. And, um, And so anytime they started feeling afraid, they would look at that shelf and go, wait a minute, you know, there's that angel ornament. That's when the angels protected, you know, Bobby from getting hurt when he fell out of the car. And this is this other little ornament represents another answer to prayer that God gave to us three years ago. And, you know, that was great because it reminded them of God's faithfulness, which is what we need to do with our thoughts. Go Charles, back, go back. Charles Stanley um, says that we should, um, you know, remember and be journal about, but, you know, take recognition of the answered prayers in our lives. So, uh I really like that. Number six, I don't think a lot of us do very often. Take your problems to the Lord rather than to a friend. Yeah, because our human bent is like, oh, I'm so stressed over this. I got to I gotta call my friend or text, right? Now we text or we, we message somebody to say, ah, oh, I can't believe what's just happening here. But, but to go to the Lord first and pour our hearts out to him and then go to a friend and ask for prayer and uh, for encouragement that way. But just try that. See, it's interesting when we become aware of what we do, what our behaviors actually are. 
but to pay attention to that. Do we run to a friend first? Do we run to the text? Do we run to our cell phone? Or do we, do we just go to the Lord first when we're concerned about something? I love that. Well, I think seven kind of goes a bit along with that, but you're just saying in general, number seven, talk to the Lord throughout your day. And one of my friends, Beatrice, she was a drill sergeant. We call her the drill sergeant of life. She says she's a soldier for the Lord. She all day long is talking to God. She and like conversations, she'll tell me they just crack me up. That's right. And to know that he is with us, it's good to have the prayer closet and to take time aside to do that too with focused, concentrated prayer but to make him a part of our everyday, even the mundane. So so whether it's folding laundry, whether it's, um, like say, driving the kids to extracurriculars and then waiting for them out in the parking lot or whatever, but wherever we are, whatever we're doing, to be able to just have an ongoing conversation with God. That's what Brother Lawrence talked about, having that conversation with God, unbroken conversation with God, and whether it's giving thanks um, you know, like like when I do the dishes, thank you, God, then I have running water. There are people in countries around the world who don't have that, but I do. Thank you for that. When I get in the shower, because I've lived in a third world country in Nepal, where I lived in a mud hut for a couple of years, didn't have a shower. I never get in the shower without saying thank you, God, for a shower. <laughs> so I'll just bet you do. Thank you. And yeah. All right, so we have many a, ways we can converse with him. We have a minute left, so I want to um, get into this one because I think it's hard for a lot of people to give up the stuff that is like, um, you know, the magazines or the TV shows that are kind of like the real housewivey kind of stuff or tabloids mm-hmm. or sleazy romance novels. You're saying get rid of that type of stuff and maybe even music like that too and direct your mind towards the material that directs you towards God. Absolutely, because... Here's what I taught, or what I was taught as a, as a high school girl that was totally addicted to horrible music, horrible music back then. G-I-G-O, I remember somebody told me, and that meant garbage in, garbage out. If I was going to put garbage into my mind, that's a direction that my life was going to go, that my mind was going to go. And the same is true for whether it be sleazy stuff or whether it be stuff that's just oh, full of things that breed fear. We need to be putting into our minds those things that are good and right and pure and holy, all those good things that would bring a smile to God's face. Isn't that the truth? All right. The book is Moving from Fear to Freedom. Grace, give us your website. My website is easy. Just gracefox.com. Gracefox.com. Talk to you next week. God bless you, Grace. Thank you. You too. Bye-bye. Strasburg, you're listening to the mighty 670 KLTT. Christmas shopping is never easy, especially with teenagers, and Arc Thrift knows that. Arc Thrift has recently added electronic gift cards to their website. Now you can easily buy that family member or special person a gift card electronically to thrift away. This gift is perfect for college students or stocking stuffers. Teenagers and young adults don't want to look cookie cutter, meaning they want that unique, one-of-a-kind product that you can only find when thrifting. Arc Thrift also carries gifts that are great for white elephant gifts, gag gifts, and even toys for the little ones. They have a vast variety of products, but for the holiday season, you can find cheaper-than-store-brand Christmas lights, indoor and outdoor decorations, and so much more. It is the season of giving, so don't forget to donate those clothes at the back of your closet you never wear to ARC Thrift. Give the gift of thrift by going to arcthrift.com. That's arcthrift.com. 
Hey there, friend. Angie Austin here with the good news, along with one of my favorites, Jim Stovall. We're talking about his Winner's Wisdom column, Pursuing Happiness, this week. Hey, Jim. Hey, it is great to be with you. Great to be with you as well. um, I know a little bit about this, so give us the lowdown just on the, the basics of this study about happiness, because I'm fascinated by this. Well, there was a study done, and it is the longest human study ever done in behavioral science and uh, and uh, that's my academic background is in psychology and sociology so I found it fascinating and it started 80 years ago and they took a group of um, Harvard students and a group of underprivileged young people in the Boston area and they started studying them and they studied them throughout their life. Every two years they would do surveys, interviews, they would take blood tests, do brain scans, they've done everything, and it's continued with their children and grandchildren and everything. And, you know, they wanted to figure out what does it take to make people happy? You know, and we all want to be happy. What does it take to be happy? And I've said for years you need, uh, uh, you know, something to do, someone to love, and something to look forward to if you're going to be happy. But, uh, uh, you know, to be happy, you know, they found that, uh, you know, they interviewed people in their 20s, like, what do you think is going to make you happy? And they said, well, fame and fortune. If I had right. a, a lot of money and I was famous, then I'd be happy. But then they interviewed those same people when they were in their 50s, and they said, what makes you happy? Well, no, money does not make me happy. And those that were famous, and there have been some very famous people in the study. John F. Kennedy was actually one of the people in the study wow. years and years ago. And, uh, and they said money doesn't make you happy, and being famous actually uh, contributed to being unhappy in, in, in many cases. And, uh, but they found what made people happy were quality, wonderful relationships, that that's what, that's what really made people happy was, you know, creating those relationships and having those things. And, uh, you know, and it's a, the typical of the human experience, the, the things we think matter don't. And, the, you know, we have a tendency to major on the minors and forget the major stuff. You know, I, um, I'm actually reading this book that you recommend. Well, I should say listening. I do a lot of the audible at night, um, but you recommend the book in the article. And I've been uh, listening to it on audible because, you know, we all think, you know, um, hey, you know, I, I want to be happy. Like, what what is it? You know, what constitute that? Well, it's the good life by Dr. Uh, Robert Waldinger. And yeah. one thing I really that stood out to me with people, like you said, who are poor, who are famous, who are rich, who weren't rich. And first of all, their commitment to this, like some of the elderly people that have been doing it since they were young, who continue to do this, you know, well into their 80s, et cetera, just really were committed to passing on the information um, about their family. And I guess I wasn't really surprised that it had a lot to do with connections and relationships. And it's interesting because my husband always tells the kids, you know, daddy doesn't need any friends. He's got mommy. Mommy's his best friend. But I have more friends. But I would say not as many as many of my girlfriends. I have lots of acquaintances, but the people that I'm, you know, pretty close to, I think it gets complicated, Jim, when you've got, you know, like three teenagers right now and so many events and I'm a team mom for something and I'm traveling with the you know the the the, um the the club team a lot as you know like three or four times in the last you know month and a half so 
it makes it more difficult to keep up some of my long-term connections. So sometimes I look at my phone and I, I hardly get any texts, right? But for people outside my family. And I think, wow, you know, like I've got girlfriends that are getting 50, 60 texts a day. But I guess my relationships right now are like my ministry right now. It's very much focused on, you know, my, my family. So I'll have more time for my other friends, which I still make some time for, you know, in the future when I start to feel like I'm kind of friendless, you know, then I just think of my husband and I feel better. Well, yeah, and, you know, here in the 21st century, we've kind of um, uh, changed what it means to be a friend. And we, we've we've kind of watered down that definition. Cause, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we call a friend somebody that clicked on, you know, on our, on our post we had, or a friend is all these other things. And, you know, uh, I think you're lucky if you go through your life and have – you know, five good friends, amazing, amazing yeah. friends. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I I have a guy that's been in my life for 40 years, and uh, he is difficult, abrasive, <laughs> obnoxious, uh, you know, and he remains my friend. And, and uh, you know, and I, you know, people have asked me why, and I always tell them, well, I've got a lot of friends, but, you know, when I lost my sight and I moved into this little 9 by 12 foot room, I thought I'd never leave the rest of my life. Everybody I thought was my friend, man, they, they were gone. Wow. But I know one guy that came in, he, he, he visited that little room more than once, and I'm always reminded of that great scene, apparently it's true, in the, the movie Tombstone about Wyatt Earp and Doc Holliday. And there was a reporter doing a story about Doc Holliday, and the, he was getting ready to go out and fight what became known as the gunfight at the OK Corral. And, you know, he asked Doc Holliday, why are you going to go out there with Wyatt Earp and his brothers? I mean, you're the doctor. You don't have to go. You're, you're, you're not a sheriff or a deputy. Why are you going to go fight? You, you're going to get hurt or lose your life. And he said, Wyatt Earp's my friend. And the reporter said, I got a lot of friends. And Doc Holliday said, I don't. Oh, wow. And that just is such an amazing concept because, you know, we really need, and I'm not saying we, we should minimize our acquaintances and the people we tangentially touch, but wow, we've got to really core in on, you know, what's, what's a real friend? Who can you call at three in the morning? Uh, you know, who are the people that, you know, they are the real deal. And, uh, you know, we need to make sure we keep those relationships fed and watered at all times. And I think it's a really important a point to make that you keep those relationships fed and watered because you still can keep, like I'm doing a group lunch, I call it the Good News Gals, it's some of my, like you'd be an honorary Good News Gal because it's the people who come on my show regularly, uh, we get together like in a group and there is one guy, Eric, and he's like our honorary Good News Gal. And anyway, like five, six of us, we get together maybe quarterly, you know, for lunch and it is like the best day of the month because yeah. we just share our lives and we've known each other for years i've been doing this show for about 12 years now and we we just have built these connections and it it's wonderful and i've seen those connections really pay off when one of us has had like a tragedy in our lives or you know a need or something oh speaking of good friends jim how often i mean you might i know that you're very close with the you know your colleagues you've had people working for you for decades but um i um 
I have a neighbor. This is the second because I got COVID this week, as you know. This is the second time she's made me soup in a month. And I'm not talking like a couple of cans of soup. I'm talking like she's Persian. Their family's Persian and Greek. Like their food is the most amazing food in the United States of America. And she makes me this soup that's got lemon in it and like chicken and big chunks and fresh. Everything's fresh. It's so amazing. And just the fact that she'll spend two or three hours over a pot to cook for me is just like, who does that anymore? Well, you know, that that's and I, I'm sure if I ask her, it was a great day and a great experience. I mean, she thinks she got more out of that than you did. Oh, and gosh, that's the amazing thing about these relationships and being a friend and, uh, you know, and all those things. And I am, by the way, very honored to be an honorary good news gal. <laughs> it's a big thing in my life now. I'm going to put that on the wall here. And, um, you need a certificate. And, and I have to tell you, I, you know, the, the Girl Scouts of America in, in the state of New York adopted my book and movie, The Ultimate Gift, and they have an ultimate Aww. gift badge. And I'm no big deal here, but when I'm in New York, I am an honorary Girl Scout right there, and that's a big deal to me. Yeah. Can they make an outfit your size? Well, yeah, I'm having a few wardrobe challenges on that, but um, but um, but I got the badge. At least I, I got the badge. There's a little vest with badges. I love that. I love that. So, in terms of you know the Harvard study um, and this book, The Good Life. You know, I thought it would be more, I don't know, that there'd be a magic pill per se, but it kind of goes boils down, doesn't it, to the three things you said we need to be happy. You know, a purpose is something to do that, you know, we enjoy, um, mm-hmm. someone to love, and something, something to look to forward, forward to. to. And I would add, yeah. and I would add, and, and pets, because, you know, I've, I've gone from one to five. Well, yeah, and you are uh, certainly uh, solving the world's problems and overcrowding and that, and we appreciate that. But, you know, and I agreed with you. When I finished the Harvard study and got to the end, I'm thinking, where's the big magic key silver bullet? And then I realized it's like most things. Dorothy goes to Oz and comes back and realizes there's no place like home. Right. And uh, Or I wrote uh, for one of my movie characters, uh, you know, wisdom is like going home to a place you've never been before and finding it all new again. And, and you know, it's it's... You realize you already had it. You had it all along. We we go trying to find something we've already got, and if we're not careful, we lose it on the way. You know, we've talked a lot over the years about, like, experiences, you know, and the things that uh, – it's sad to think, you know, because my son will be a senior next year. They'll all be in high school. That um, at some point in time, my brother reminded me, I think I mentioned this to you, that pretty soon it'll be our last vac- vacation with, you know, everyone, you know, whether, you know, on their school break or whatever. And these little memories come up on my phone because I've got about 40,000 pictures on my phone. And I don't like to like this. They're in the cloud, but I like to have access to them. So my phone makes me videos. So one popped up today that said, uh, buy the water, you know, over the years. And as I was looking at the video, I realized that it had trips to like our um, when we went whale watching in Monterey, the coast of Oregon with family, Padre Island during COVID, where we were there for a month, you know, so we really got to like kind of live there. Lake Mack in Nebraska, where we water skied and stuff. And oh, that houseboat trip to Kentucky, where uh, I was the only one that could water ski. And the kids are like, how can you do that? And I'm like, here I am, you know, like 50 water skiing. And then uh, f- several trips to Florida and LA, like it was just like all, all of these places and every single photo that popped up of the kids at different ages. I knew exactly where we were, like when Riley was flying off of this tree rope, like super dangerous, I'm sure, off of a cliff into the water, off of a rope, right? And um, he's like flying through the air smiling, and I'm like, the, 
the, the joy on his face is like unforgettable. You know, that picture, he's just like, I don't know, 15 feet above the water or something. It's just ridiculous. But um, every single picture brings back a memory. And those are the things, the experiences that we've had that have brought me so much joy. Oh, absolutely. I mean, uh, psychologists have known that for years. I mean, if you, if you, uh, you buy something, um, you know, within the, within hours or days or certainly weeks, it, 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 it's gone. You know, the new is gone and it's just not that big a deal, but an experience you keep with you for the rest of your life. And, uh, I think it was Susie Orman that said it first, uh, uh, people first, then money, then things. And if you can keep that in that order, um, you're going to be in great shape. Prioritize people first and then money. She's big on saving and investing then stuff. Well, I think uh, I think the joy that comes from that saving and investing, and I think you and I have talked about this, is security. You know, my husband and I are both very similar in our, well, he's even more, I think, frugal than I am. But having grown up so poor, you know, I in low-income housing and mom on, you know, the graveyard shift and, you know, single mom. And uh, it's just, yeah, we didn't have anything. Like, we could barely get the, the Buick fixed, you know, when it was time to, mm-hmm. you know, if that broke down. Or like in high school, people would call the house and say my phone was disconnected multiple times because mom couldn't or didn't pay the phone bill, you know. And that's embarrassing. Your yeah. friends are like, why is your phone cut off again? And you're like, oh, because I'm poor. But, uh, you know, anyway... Uh, I just think that the security is what enough money to have enough money to be secure. And for me, maybe to travel, you know, that's always yeah. exciting too. We just got our passports. The, the girls just uh, applied for their passports yesterday. So finally, we're going to be able to take them on some international adventures, which they've, that they've never done. Well, I tell you, it, those are great. And it's always good when you're in another country to get off the beaten path. And, you know, you know the beaches and the resorts, all that's great. But you go a few miles inland or wherever and you see where the real people live in the Caribbean or South or Central America or Asia. Yeah. And, boy, you, uh, the kids will get a brand-new experience on how great is America. No kidding. No kidding. Well, JimStovall.com. Jim, always such a blessing to have you on the program. Thank you so much. You're the best. Thanks. Thank you for listening to The Good News with Angie Austin on AM670 KLTT. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.